Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we can clap. Stand to your feet. Thank you so much. But God. Yeah, look at your neighbor and say, but God. Yeah, but God saved my soul. But God intervened. But God did some stuff in my life that I need to be done. Amen? God saved me and changed my mindset. But God, I have some hope. Amen? Now, don't get quiet on me. Come on now. Help me out. You guys can help me preach. You guys know that. Today, we're going to talk more about keep on dreaming. It is our desire that God burst that dream in you. It's our desire that you walk out that dream that God has given you. It is our desire that we do not get distracted by earthly things. Amen? Man, that's easy. That's easy. We have to put on our mindset towards Christ and say, what you're birthing inside of me, let's do it. If you'd open up your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, we're going to briefly read this. As my friend Rod would say, good morning, good morning, good morning. Glad that you guys are here. Yeah, if you've ever shook his hand at the door, you know it's true. We love it. So to all my friends that are listening, good morning, good morning, good morning. We love you guys. Timothy here is receiving a letter from Paul, his mentor. Paul considers Timothy a son in the faith, and he's warning Timothy to warn some people in his church. And obviously he's not just warning to warn, but he's also warning, warning Timothy. He says, as for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now, there's nothing wrong with being rich and being wealthy, and in our culture, in our country here in America, we, we sometimes don't really have a complete grasp on that. When the average, uh, 50% of the world makes an average of $2 a day, it puts what our situation into perspective. And Paul is writing to Timothy saying, share this, that what you don't want to do is, is the hopes and dreams that Christ has put, on, put in you, because that's what a dream is. It's a hope. If, if I dream, I hope. If I keep dreaming, I keep hoping. Amen? And Paul is saying, listen, warn your people and warn yourself. Do not get caught up in so many things that can cause a destructive dream, but rather we want to dare to dream. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Be in this place this morning. Let our hearts be attentive, God. Let our ears be open to what you want to say. We love you and praise you. And everyone says, amen, amen. You may be seated. As we do, wave at your neighbor. Let them know that you're glad that they're here. As well as whoever is listening and streaming, thank you so much for being a part of this. As we continue this today, I'm going to find myself and you guys in the story or I'm not going to find myself in the text, but rather we're going to study the story together found in Luke 15, 11 through 32. Now this is, the, this is the story of the prodigal son here. And uh, there's four different dreams that I see taking place. Now let me preface it with this, that I understand that at the core of this story it's about salvation. So I'm not trying to make it something that it's not. It is about salvation. It's about understanding the Father's love whenever we've gone astray or to somebody who hasn't ever seen salvation, what they can expect from the Father. Amen? And even some of the stuff that we can expect from um, resistance that we have when our life gets changed. But, but I begin to see some dreaming in this story. I, I see four dreams. I see the dream of the beginning of the young son who thinks he knows what the world is going to be like. Anybody in here thought you had the world by the tail? The world is my oyster and I can do anything I want to. Yeah, doesn't always work out that way, does it? Hey, this is the good news. Let me, prefer, let me, let me stop. This is the good news. I'm going to try to do jokes that are on my age level, okay? For you guys that were here. I went home and my wife warned me. She goes, Matt, that's not on your age level. 
She goes, but I do have a new thing you can do. You could tell really bad jokes and then explain them because that's funnier sometimes. I was like, thanks, thanks. Then my daughter says, yeah, Dad, you're way more natural and funny when you don't try to force it. I was like, great. Anybody else? Anybody else? I have all this support and I love it. Anybody? So, so we'll stay within the, within the proper joke category there. But we think sometimes we have the world by the tail. And in that first dream, we see that, that this young man goes out and he just needs some, a little bit of money. All I need is love. No, you need more than love. Love doesn't pay the light company. And then we see the, the dream of the father and of that son when he's in repentance. And then we also see the dream of the oldest child. Whenever the brother left, and then it seemed like he had it all figured out how his life was going to go from there on. And we can tell by his action. Because when he came back, he said some things to the father that lets us to believe he'd already made up his mind how his life was going to turn out. So there's four dreams that we're going to be dealing with here. And what I want to talk about first is some red flags whenever we're reaching for a destructive dream. Whenever we're saying, God, did you give me this dream? God, is this something that I dreamt on my own? Is this something that I'm trying to push for? And if it is a destructive dream, show me. And I believe that through this we can see. So we're going to start out here with the beginning of the story in Luke chapter 15. We're going to read verses 11 through 16, and then we're going to read verses 28 through 32. Now let me give you a brief synopsis of the story. So here are, here are the two boys. There's a young son and an older son. And, 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 the son. and the young son comes to his dad and says, I want all of my inheritance. What he says is this, I want everything you're going to give me when you die. That's a loving son, isn't it? Father does it, says that the son goes off to a different land. He squanders all of his money on wine, women, and song, as Pastor Mike would say, on this wild living. He finds himself in a pig pen. He finds himself, the famine has hit the land. He can't get a job hardly. He's starving. He's looking at these pods is what they're called. They were, to use, uh, they were used to feed the pigs. And the reason why he couldn't eat the pods, just for some of you guys, it would be interesting. The reason why he couldn't, he wasn't looking at slop. It was pods. The reason why he couldn't eat the pods, because the pods were made for the pig's digestive system, not a human's digestive system. Or he might have been scooping those dudes up. But nonetheless, which is interesting to me, because God has him right where he wants him. Because we can learn to live on almost nothing, right? Yeah, we can do a lot of stuff that used to offend us whenever we're hungry. <laughs> but he finds himself in the pig pen, and he's slopping hogs, which this is told from the Jewish perspective. So uh, in, the, in the Jewish culture, they don't like pigs. They didn't like pigs. They don't like slopping them. They won't eat them. They don't want to be around them. So as he's telling this, Jesus is sharing this story with other Jews, they, you can tell kind of the, he's at the lowest low point. And then it says he came to his senses, and he goes, maybe if I go back I, and, 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 and gravel at my father's feet, grovel at my father's feet and say, hey, help me. I just want to come back even as a servant. Then he'll take me back. When it says the, the, the young man left, went to his father's house, his father saw him coming. They embraced and hugged. And the father said, I want you back. Put ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, a robe. We're going to kill the fatted calf and we're going to celebrate because I had a son who was lost and now is found. Now, there is an older brother in this situation. He gets an attitude. He's sitting out on the back deck. Now, this is the Matt version. He's sitting out on the back deck of the house, not wanting to come in. That's what it said. It said his father begged him to come in. He's like, no, I'm not going in there. So you can tell that his attitude has changed. It said that he was angry. And he goes, this son of yours, so you can tell he didn't say my brother, this son of yours, he squandered all your money on prostitutes and all these different things, and yet you welcome him. How about me? I've been here the entire time. 
Yeah, you ever felt that way? God, I've been here. You better be careful because it's dangerous. It's dangerous. You know, because God, the only reason why we've been here is because God's helped us to be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you, know, you know, you learn your mama can brought you into this world and can take you out, right? Yeah, that's kind of what it is when you're messing with God. He brought you in and, you know, so. But the brother is like this. And we see that it's not working out. Now we find ourselves in this story and we find ourselves in these dreams. And where I want to begin is destructive dreams. I want to begin here reading about the young son's attitude who left and thought the world was going to be like he had dreamt it. Verse 11, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there wasted all of his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that, he was, that were feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now, we see this, how he's painted this picture and things that he's engaged in. Now, let's jump down to verse 28. The son has come home in the story, and the older boy is now processing this. It says, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. What, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And we see these two dreams, and I want to look into these two situations and, and, and hopefully send up some red flags that as you're progressing forward, God, is this dream becoming about me? Is it becoming destructive? Because anything that we make only about ourselves and only about our progress becomes more destructive than it does life-giving. Amen? And the first thing that I see that, 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 that the young son had is he had this issue of greed. He had the issue of greed. In verse 12, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. That's pretty strong words. I wonder how much he had thought he had really done to deserve what he had. And, and, and let me put it in modern terms. We see entitlement. We see entitlement. See, see, what greed will do is it will cause you to gain something that you cannot manage. It will usually cause you to gain it in a way that is not honest. And all you do is find yourself telling more lies about the situation. But God does it the opposite way. Little by little, we grow, we increase, we learn to manage what God's given us, and then we see the dream unfold in our life. But if you're thinking, is this dream from God? Ask yourself this question. I have to ask myself this question. Is it only about me? Is it about the new car and the picket fence and the White House? Is it about I can look back and say, ooh, look at everything that I've accomplished. The world will look at me and say, this person is successful. Because if it is that, then you're teetering on greed. And what you're about to do, and I'm not saying you can't accomplish that greed. This young man did. It just nearly ruined him. 
And in our lives, God has given us a dream, and there's nothing wrong with wanting the generation to, behind you to do better than you did. But we have to be careful that it's not built out of greed. And that young son said, I want all of my, all the stuff that you gave me. And then we see anger. We see anger here in verse 28. If a dream is born out of anger, it's going to be a destructive dream. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The, the younger brother was so angry that he refused to even go and shake his brother's hand or welcome him. Now, in Oklahoma, we call that a hissy fit. Yes. I'm taking it some of you guys have had a hissy fit on occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stomping your feet, jewel running out of your mouth. Whenever I was refing basketball, my first couple of years, I griped at every ref at every game for every call. <laughs> you know how many calls I ever got reversed? Zero. Not even one, Rod. Not even one. I wasn't that lucky. Zero. And then, but you know how many times I look like a complete idiot? More than zero, I can tell you. I can tell you that, okay? But anger gets the best of us. And he was having a hissy fit, and his dad was begging him. Now, I don't know about how you grew up at your house, but at my house, I usually had two options. Either I did what my parents said, or I did not do what they said, and both of them came with consequences. I don't remember too much begging going on. But his dad is trying to instruct him, trying to bring him in, and he won't. And I wonder if this is not an inclination of what was really going on in his heart already. The dream that he had birthed of how it was going to be since his brother left was really birthed out of his anger for his brother. Because immediately what happens, we're angry. And as Christians, we throw around this word righteous anger. Have you guys ever heard that? I'm just... I just have righteous anger. Really? Because Jesus only had righteous anger like a handful of times in the Bible, and some people live their entire life with righteous anger. <laughs> some people have righteous anger over OU beating Texas yesterday. Yeah, it was the refs. I know it was the refs. I have righteous anger, Matthew. No, I don't think that's what righteous anger is. I think you're just mad because you got beat. <laughs> But the reality is this. If you birth a dream out of anger, it's a destructive dream because dreams are birthed out of hope. The men and women who have started battered women's shelters, who have started a place for people who have been abused sexually, mentally, emotionally, physically, they cannot do that having anger inside of them. Oh, that might be part of it that drives that, I understand. But eventually, the dream takes off because it's not about being angry, it's about coming to the point where I don't want anything to happen to anybody that happened to me. And I want them to have hope that if something did happen, then Jesus Christ can come in their life and things can be changed. They can be hope. They can, have, they can be holistic. They can move on. They can be emotionally strong and physically strong and spiritually strong. It's born out of hope, not born out of anger. Amen? And here this young man's dream is born out of anger. And if you're thinking, well, I want to be rich so I can buy it all. <laughs> it's anger. Somebody did something to you, and you haven't really dealt with it. And this is the thing about anger that we see here. It's just going to surface again. And it's going to surface at an inopportune time. Then we go on, and we see another one. We see this attitude of solitary success. That we have arrived to where we're at by ourselves, and that is so dangerous. 
That's that spirit of entitlement. That's that spirit of not looking forward and seeing the giants that we've stood on the shoulders of. Can I get an amen? In verse 13, the younger son, he packed up all of his belongings, which is comical to me. Because two days ago, whose belongings were they? It was his daddy's. Now all of a sudden, I'm mature. I have all this. I've had it for two days. I know everything. Like all of a sudden he's arrived to where he's at and he's entitled and he knows how to manage it. But the older brother's the same way in verse 29. All these years I've slaved for you and I've never once refused to do a single thing you told me. If I would have been the dad, I'd have been like, man, I didn't know what I have. Jesus standing in front of me. Perfect. You've been perfect. You've, you've battered one. Every time I've told you something, you've done it. How many times have you told your kid to do something and they've done it every single time? No, not one. That's what I thought, right? And not even us, but this man. But, but you see it in the boy's life, too. It's all about what he's accomplished. And this attitude of solitary success will cause us to miss the blessing. It will amplify what we've had to work for. It will amplify what we've had to give up. And it's not about that because the blessing is always greater than what we give up. Amen? The blessing is always greater. God will restore us to a higher level. But man, whenever we have that attitude of, I've arrived... By myself, self-reliance. It's pride. And it's interesting to me what the boy does so quick, the older boy. He goes so much from servanthood to slander in a minute. He goes from serving his dad out in the field and doing all these things to now all of a sudden he's bringing accusations against his dad. Well, you never did that for me. Almost like you don't love me. I mean, you never, you never killed a goat for me. You never had a party for my friends and me. But see, we do this too. See, our dream is not working out because it's become more about us sometimes. And then we begin to remind God of everything that we've done for Him. Now, God, I need help with this bill. Don't you, don't you remember I gave time? Don't you remember I helped that person out there, the bottom new pair of shoes? God, I got shiny shoes, and I'm worried about my lights being turned off, God. We remind God and we do that sometimes. And that's what happens in the spiritual, uh, spiritual process of us. We go from servanthood, God, I'll do anything, to God, don't you remember? And all of a sudden, we bring accusations against God, and, and He already knows. But that's what that spirit of solitary success can do it, can bring us to. In verse 14, it says, About this time his money ran out, and a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. See, solitary success never leaves a margin for God. The, the attitude of solitary success that I've arrived here by myself, that means I've planned it, it has to work out like I said it's going to work out, and it has to be the way that I said it's going to be, and we need leave no margin for God to move. See, this young man didn't count on a famine coming, did he? This young boy, no, I'm just going to go live off this money. Well, then a famine came, then he lost his job, then he began to starve. Psalms 29 and 23 says this, one's pride will bring him low. And if you're dreaming and you're asking God, is this a destructive dream or is this a daring dream? Ask yourself, does it only take me to fulfill it? Our softball girls in Comanche made it to state this year. Can we give them a round of applause? It was great. Great atmosphere, so proud of them. And this is what I found out. 
When I saw, when I saw, when I saw the team there, it wasn't just one girl that ran out on the field. It was a team of girls that ran out on the field. Because this is the thing. It was the team that took them to get where they got, and it was going to be the team that they had to win by. But many times as we win, we think it's us, but it's not. It's the team, amen? It's just like those girls that took a team to get to state, and it's going to take a team to win state. But that solitary mindset will make you go low, low, low. If you're birthing a dream out of avoiding problems. Does anybody know know somebody, and if you do it, you need to pray through, but know somebody who's extremely good at avoiding problems? No, not one. Okay, I do. I know some people who are good at avoiding problems. The younger son, verse 13, he moved to a distant land. Why would he move to a distant land? Because dad can't tell me how to use my money. I don't have anybody to answer to. I can go over there and just be me, be the new me. I can reinvent myself and be whatever I want to be. You can. You can. But the problem is we usually don't. We just drag our problems from one place to the next. The older son, same thing. The older brother was so angry, and what? He wouldn't even go in to see his brother. He, would have, he was avoiding the problems. If your dream is birthed inside of you, and you're trying to accomplish your dream because you're trying to avoid a problem, that's a destructive dream. Different job, same bad work ethic. Different marriage, same selfish attitude. Different school, but you still have that victim mentality. You have new friends, but you still do the same old things that you did with the old friends. Then we come into church and we feel the presence of God and we feel the energy, and that's really what we want, sometimes more energy than repentance, and we get new energy and we're like, yeah, I got new life, but then we go out there and we return to the same old sin that had us bound when we walk in. See, I want this dream, God, that you energize me and encourage me. But the problem with that is I'm not birthing a dream in hope. I'm birthing it to avoid something that God's trying to correct in my life. See, it's the struggle that we must endure which makes us, which takes us to where we want to go. Verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. It was that struggle that he came to his senses. And whenever you try to avoid struggle and avoid problems, that is a destructive dream because you will never gain the strength that God has called you to gain because there's something internal whenever our spirit connects with God's spirit and it changes lives, amen? But we want to take out, and I understand this, I'm a father too. And we have to ask the Lord for wisdom, We have taken struggle out of society, and this is not a good thing. Instead, God, what struggle do I take out of society? Because there really is, let's get real, some of us has gone through some struggles that are just nonsense. We look back, like, I mean, God turned it for my good, absolutely, but I didn't have to go through that, you know? And those struggles, okay, let's take those out. But it was at the point where the young man was hungry, and he was lonely, and nobody gave him anything. See, there's a fine line between helping and enabling. And this is a very fine... Hey, listen, grandparents, parents, leaders, we want strong communities, we want strong families, we want strong kids, amen? Absolutely. But there's that fine line, and that's where we have to go back and ask God, God, I don't want this to be a destructive dream for me or them. 
At what point do I say this is enabling and I stop? Because God's got something for him, amen? He didn't have anything. Whenever we avoid problems, we don't want to be a part of that dream. The last one that I see that would be a red flag is idle, idle living here. Idle living. The younger brother, and he went out and wasted all of his money on wild living. Our culture is the worst about this, and particularly the younger generation. Why do you want to be rich? Why do you want to live that dream? Why do you want to have wealth? Why do you want to have money? And typically the answer is, I don't have to do anything else ever again. <laughs> it's not necessarily a, oh, I'd go out and give. Really? You would. Which is true for some, I guess. But here, he went out and took what was his, this, this dream that he had had, and he went out, and he wasted his time, he wasted his resources. And so many times, because we live in an idle living, what we do is we waste our time and our life, and we each know somebody who's wasted their entire life. Some chemical dependency, some, some grievous sin, something that has them bound. And whenever we get rich, whenever we live the dream or we become successful or we become influential or whatever that is, but we only do it in idle living, it's a dangerous dream. It's a destructive dream. It's a damaging dream. And that should be a red flag to us. God, I want to be successful. I want to go fast. That's great, but why? The older brother had the same problem. Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, verse 31. But all of a sudden, comes to the surface everything that he struggled with. So let me ask you this, and this is what I've had to ask myself. What are we doing in the staying? Because it sounds like to me the older brother wasn't loving because he knew to love, he was loving to get. He, he wasn't caring because that's what he needed to do for his father he was caring to get. He wasn't working because that's what he knew to do. He was working to get. So he could have accomplished this. What are we doing in our staying? It's not that we deserve it. It's not that we've earned it. It's because Christ loves us. It's okay to have those dreams, but if you look at that dream and you say, I want it to come to fruition, but it continues to, 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 continues to go an idle living and you can't step back and say, how can I be intentional with what God is granting me? How can I be intentional? Because idle living is a destructive dream. But there's hope in this passage. As I continue to read, I look at understanding what happens when we have daring dreams. These are the dreams that we set ourselves up for that we know God is in the mix. And in verse 20, and we're going to read verses 20 through 24, and we see two different dreams. We see the dream of the dad come to pass, but we also see the dream of the repentant son come to pass. In verse 20, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned both against you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his fingers and sandals for his feet. 
Kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for his son, for this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. And we see what happens whenever our dream becomes that dream of God. And those red flags, we do not act upon them, but instead we say, God, I'm going to hold to your hope and promises. As you look into your dream, to make sure it's that daring dream, the first thing that you want to do is look. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, he saw his father coming. His father was looking for his arrival, anticipating it, waiting it, waiting for it. Listen, in our dreams, that's what we want to do. We want to turn to God and say, God, what are you going to do today? God, what position would you put me in that I absolutely need you to deliver me? That way all the glory goes to you. I was thinking about this. We all want the miracle, we just don't want the Red Sea. We want the miracle, but we don't want that problem. And it's God bringing us to that. Instead of keeping our heads down, saying, I can't believe I got here. God, why, why, why? No, I, look, I lift my head up and I take my eyes and I fix them on the cross. I fix them on Christ and say, God, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do? Because I'm looking for you to do something. I'm in anticipation. I'm in excitement. I'm on the edge of my seat, God, waiting for what you're going to do. Because we want to dare to dream. See, it's not an ordinary dream because we don't serve an ordinary God. We serve an extraordinary God, so my dream is extraordinary. I have to look and know that he's bigger than any situation. He's bigger than our adversary. He's bigger than I can comprehend, so I'm looking for God to move. Amen? Next thing we see if we're going to dare to dream is we have to be willing to forgive. Forgiveness is crucial. Verse 20, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. We have to be willing to give forgiveness. A dream cannot be birthed out of unforgiveness and hate and those type of things because it's a destructive dream. How do you know? Because it always pushes somebody down and suppresses them and lifts somebody else up. That's what unforgiveness does. In verse 21, it says, His son says, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. The son had to receive forgiveness. You've done some really stupid stuff. I have too. Don't let it keep you from your dream that God's birthed in your heart. Receive forgiveness. Yeah, there's going to be some consequences, but God's not going to leave you alone through the consequences either. Don't let that unforgiveness hold you back. Proverbs 29 and 23. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. How lowly do you have to be to come back and run to your father and say, I sinned against you. You had nothing to do with this. This was my decision. But whenever we do that, we find honor. And in your dream that God's birthing, just be ready to forgive. Forgive over and over and over again and be willing to receive that forgiveness from God. As we continue, another great way to dare to dream is accept God as the weaver of the dreams. He is the grand master. He is the weaver. See, it's that attitude of solitary success that makes us think we have to win and weave. As Tanner talked about this morning, the battle's already ours. We've won it. God's already won. All we have to do is win, amen? We have to show up because Christ has weaved this together for us. 
In, in verse 21, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Verse 19, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as one of the hired servants. This is the problem with the young man that he's doing. He's beginning to weave his own dream back. God, if you'll just do this, or God, if, or Father, if you'll just do this, I don't even care. Listen, can I say, let's close the mouth, repent before God, ask him to place that dream if we don't need to repent, keep our mouth shut and let him be the weaver. Oh, God, if I just had this instead of this. No, God, I don't know what you're going to give me, but one thing I know is that you're good. You're good yesterday, you're good today, and you're going to be good tomorrow. You were good this morning, you're going to be good this afternoon, and you're going to be good tonight. You'll be good last year, this year, and next year, God. So you be the weaver of my dream. And it passes all expectations. I mean, this is what the Father says. Quick! Bring the finest robe to the house and put him in it. Get a ring for his fingers and sandals for his feet. Let God leave it. I know we're not worthy, but that's okay. Because we serve a loving God. We serve a Father who loves us. The ring which signified that power. The robe and the sandals. The sandals were so important. Because many of the servants of the day didn't wear sandals because they were afraid they were going to run off. This time, the dad said, give him his sandals back because he ain't going nowhere because he saw a true difference in his spirit. Let God be the weaver. We just come to that place where we say, God, birth it. I don't want it to be birthed out of anger. I don't know what you have for me, but God, I'm not going to send all these demands. And the final thing is this. They celebrated. Does your dream include celebration? Does your dream include celebration? celebration don't forget to celebrate what god is doing in the midst of your dream that's how we dare to dream it didn't don't get caught up on how it didn't turn out exactly like you what you thought remember we get caught up in all the work and all that other stuff as opposed to saying man we're pretty blessed i was talking to a lady the other day and i was very i say that a couple months ago her husband had just started coming to church been praying for this man for 30 years just started coming to church but he wasn't going to the church that she wanted him to go to. I could not keep from opening up my mouth. And I love this lady dearly. I said, whatever you do, do not go and pull him out of church. Let God work on him where he's at. Because it didn't turn out at that moment like we wanted it to, doesn't mean we still don't get to celebrate it. I'm going to celebrate salvations, Amen. We're going to celebrate some of the good things that God does, some of these blessings. Yeah, it didn't work out exactly like I thought it was, but that'd probably be better because if it did work out like I thought it was going to work out, I might be, eating a, I might be in a pig pen eating pods for dinner. Alone. All alone. No one here. <laughs> but we celebrate it. We celebrate the goodness of God. We celebrate the talents that He's given us. We celebrate it. We go back to the song that we played at the very beginning of this. I'm going to celebrate him in the morning. I'm going to celebrate him in the middle. I'm going to celebrate him in the evening. Why? Because he's worthy to be celebrated. This is his dream and it's bigger than me. And we want to celebrate. Amen? But don't let unforgiveness, don't let those things hold you back from what God has for you in your dream. We're not worthy of it. But we serve a God who is full of love and kindness and joy. And as Christians who are trying to be mature in the faith, we're saying, God, show me the red flags. 
But as the Christians who are still trying to live out the dream that seems impossible, we're saying, God, help us to do that in the right way. Let us forgive. Let us celebrate. Would you bow with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.